Welcome back, loyal listeners, to another week of Easy and PK Talk Fantasy Football. I'm here on my lunch break recording on Friday afternoon. And Easy, I have a I have a quick confession to make. I recently got a new podcast microphone, and I've been using it the last couple of weeks. And I have been using it incorrectly. I've been talking into the wrong side of the microphone. And <laughs> so, nice. Isn't that that's kind of funny, right? And so all of my all of my audio has been super quiet and it's because the part that I should be talking to has been facing down towards the table. And now I figured it out. So hopefully today the pod sounds a little bit nicer. Hey, you live and you learn. I know. I thought I was getting all this nice fancy equipment to make my podcasting experience better, but now I'm now I'm just learning and getting better. Like you said, you live and you learn. How you doing, buddy? How how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was great. We we actually started out planning for just uh, me and my mom and dad having Thanksgiving together. Eventually, more family called and more family called. We went up to five, to eight, to nine. And we actually ended up having 11 people over at our house, 11 family. And uh, so it was great. There was some I hadn't seen in years, actually. So it was really fun seeing them and good food, good football, good good everything. How about you? That, that's awesome. Um, yeah, my week was good. We left Thursday morning and drove out to Milwaukee. My wife had to stay behind and work on Friday, so I was with the kids, and we got to Milwaukee and had a great weekend. My sister was there with her kids. My mom drove down from the Iron Range to spend time with everybody, and it was just exactly exactly how it was planned. There was no no surprises. So that that was good. But I'm I'm excited to hear your family Thanksgiving wise got change for you in a good way right that's 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 kind of cool mm-hmm. yeah it was when just, something like that happens just more people kept coming and wanting to come and sure enough ended up with four times as many people as we thought we would and i hope you had a big enough turkey we had a big enough turkey um i don't know about you but i am not a big turkey eater so we had ham as well and i so i scarfed down on that nice i i'm more of a I'm I'm a sides guy. I like the potatoes. I like the green bean casserole. I like the stuffing. Yeah, I can have a couple slices of the bird, but I'm more of like if I could put gravy on it and yep. get after it. That's that's what I like. I like a good mashed potatoes and gravy, and and I like to save room for a good pie with a nice warm coffee as I settle down for the rest of the evening. I think with Thanksgiving, uh, the leftovers are almost better. Where you can, I don't know about you, but I put you know the piece of bread, some turkey, some potatoes, some stuffing, and then gravy all over the top of it and eat it that way. And 10 times better than Thanksgiving itself than Thanksgiving Day. That's funny. Yeah, some people live for those leftovers. Mm-hmm. My my brother, younger brother, is the same way. He actually prefers it with pizza as well. He used to make frozen pizza and then cook it, and then he would put it in the refrigerator for a couple hours and then reheat it because he preferred it cooled and then reheated. <laughs> he's, he's weird. But those Jack's pizzas, apparently, he liked them better when they were cold and then reheated. Uh. Well, Thanksgiving football, 
a lot of games last Thursday. No teams on a bye last week, and so everybody was able to feel the nearly full lineup. Uh, you want to talk about last week's action a little bit? Want to go game by game? Yeah, let's do it. Why don't you lead us off with, uh, how about, let's talk about your game. You want to start with your game, you and Joey? Yeah, I can talk about that. Um, it was really the classic case of what we've talked about the last, what we talked about a few weeks ago with, you know, if you, we were both about, we both had a 50% chance of winning going into, going into Monday night. And I had no one playing, but had a 30 point lead and Joey had uh, DJ Moore and TJ Hawkinson yet to go. The app said it was, you know, a 50, 50 chance. And in my head, I'm going, there's no way this is 50, 50. And sure enough, uh, Moore and Hawkinson combined for 45 points, most of which actually came late in that fourth quarter. Hawkinson caught a touchdown. DJ Moore had a couple of catches, including a long 30-yarder. And uh, he ended up beating me by 15 points quite handily, which was a little frustrating just knowing that Joey a lot of the times would score in the 130s or whatnot. But it seemed like against you and me, he likes to put up those 190s or so. Yeah, John mentioned he also put up 190 against him earlier in the season. So, yep. yeah, Joey was projected at 140 and got 190. You know how much I love projections. Oh, those things are totally yep. something to write home about. You might as well you might as well just wrap it up if you're projected to lose. You might, why do we even play the game at that point? A quick interjection about this game, specifically the Hawkinson DJ Moore, because it was a Vikings game, right? On Monday night. And yep. can I comment on the the piss poor defensive play calling in the fourth quarter once again? I mean, DJ Moore picked up fifty of his 115 yards because we stopped pressing the quarterback. We started dropping everybody into coverage. Yep. Just this the same thing they did last year. That defense was awful. It was like four deep, you know, drop two, two cornerbacks, keep two safeties deep, everything underneath. And why, why do we, why would we do what got us so successful? We held them to four field goal or three field goals for the first three and a half quarters, but defensive play calling. And of course, Troy Aikman and, and Joe Buck are on the, on the mics there on Monday night. And, and I'm just, they're, they're talking about like, Oh, they're, they're dropping back into coverage. Should they bring extra guys here and make Fields get it out of his hand quick? I'm like, hell yeah, he should. Uh, defensive play calling two weeks in a row cost us those games because of the fourth quarter comebacks against very similar opponents, against very similar quarterback play. It was it was frustrating. So here we don't even have to recap the Vikings game. We just kind of tacked it on to the end of you and Joey's game. But that's that's my takeaway from I, – I, we'll, we'll come around to more of the Vikings here in a little bit. Um, when we talk about uh, John and Bavakwa's game, <laughs> yeah, which is next. Perfect segue, right? Yep. As I was watching that game unfold towards the end, I could total. I was totally just picturing you just completely fuming. You know, steam coming out of the ears, saying, yeah. "What the heck are they doing?" I think at least in the Denver game, they rushed three and dropped eight. I think we did better this game where we uh, we actually rushed four. So maybe, you know, five games from now, we're going to actually be able to bring the full pressure, huh? 
Yeah. I guess I would rather than blitz try and go get the quarterback and get beat on a bomb than just get dinked and dunked and 15 yards in front of the prevent defense. But you're right. You're absolutely right. I was sitting on the couch and I was, I was laughing more than fuming. You know, I was like, this is so inevitable. This is, and my wife's sitting next to me and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, this is just so hard to watch. And we, we shut it off. She goes, you just want to go to bed? You know how this ends, right? And I go, yeah, I know how this ends. So we didn't even watch the last, we didn't even watch a field goal get kicked. We saw DJ Moore get that long gain to get him in down into like the 25, 20 yeah. yard range. And she goes, if we watch this to the end, we're going to be angry. You just want to go to bed now? I was like, yeah, let's just, let's just be done with this. It's just ridiculous. It's a good call. Um, absolutely. So segue Vikings quarterback play terribly into the next fantasy football game. John's team versus Aaron Bavakwa's team. And for most of this game, I thought that John might miss the playoffs. I thought that Aaron Bavakwa has no chance of losing this game. It was um, John had a slight lead going into Monday night. He had Addison, and then Bavakwa had Komet and Dobbs. And with Dobbs playing as well, he has been maybe not as good as the first two games, but not this bad. And Dobbs throws four interceptions. I would say two are probably his fault. One receiver didn't catch the ball, even though he threw it right into his hands. And then the the fourth one, which was actually, I think, the second one, is the defender made a nice play, like diving, tipped it up in the air. It could have been a better throw or better decision, but still. Two of those, though, he threw it right to the defense. So Aaron ends up getting beat in the narrowest of margins. For a moment there, I thought, Bavakwa is going to beat John. He's going to jump to the top of the division. John's going to have to play Joey next. Joey's going to beat him. And then he gets to play Elliot. Now he's going to beat him. And all of a sudden, John is going to miss the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. But, but Dobbs played what Dobbs played. And I would put that squarely on Dobbs. And <laughs> funny enough, on Monday night, I was texting with John. John's not a big fan of Josh Dobbs. He is not buying into the hype. I was trying to talk Dobbs up. I was thinking this was going to be a good game for him. And John was like, no, no way. He's, he's all smoke and mirrors. And John proved to be right. John is just on another level. I, I don't even know what to say. Last night, um, and this is, sorry, Josh, but this is going to affect you. But I was going to start Derek Carr over Urgino Smith last night. And I just was like, John, text. I, I texted John. I'm like, last minute, like, what would you do? And maybe you all are going to text John now to help him set your lineup. And John just said, go with the Seahawks, uh, go with Gene. I'm like, but they play Dallas and Dallas has got a great defense and Carr has a pretty good matchup this week. And it was six of six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. And I was going to go with Carr. I actually switched Carr in and I switched Gino out. And then John just said, go with Gino. And, and I did. And there you go, Josh. Now you've got yourself a game. Josh was about to run away with this one this week against me. But thanks to John's expert, he's just on another level. I can't even explain his ability to pick the right lineups and pick the right players and draft the right players. It's, it's borderline incredible to me. Like, I have serious fantasy football envy of John Nelson. But John ends up winning a narrow one against Aaron. Now Aaron plays you this week, right? Yep, that is correct. And this has some serious playoff potential. This is the playoffs before the playoffs. 
Yeah. The, the team that loses this week is on the outside looking in going into the last week of the, of the playoffs. And Joey, as we've seen just this last week, is certainly ready to play spoiler to anybody who, who steps in the fantasy domain well, with Joey. Except for this week, which we'll get to later. <laughs> Sounds good. Joey, um, Joey might have three-quarters of his team on a bye this week. <laughs> I actually saw that on his, on his bench. That was, it was shocking how many players he had. He's starting a, yeah, he's starting a wide receiver who's projected at two points right yeah. now. I've never seen anything like that. I I texted John right away when I saw that, and he goes, and he just said, hey, I think I'm a team of destiny. <laughs> it's, just, it's all lining up for him. Yep. After Josh Dobbs' four interceptions. And Aikman threw out the stat on Monday Night Football that Josh, Nob, Josh Dobbs has never had three interceptions in college or in pros, and he had three, and then he went on to throw four. So when it was bad, it was it was real bad for him. All right. All right. Next game. I'll let you take this one. Uh, Jim versus Shunk. Division winner Shunk versus the uh, bottom or last place team in Jim. What happened in this game? Well, the you know, Jim obviously did not listen to us. We said he couldn't get another win this season. And sure enough, he ended up beating Adam by about 30 points as Adam keeps falling, you know, closer and closer back to earth. Uh, Jim got big points out of his running backs, uh, Jonathan Taylor and Vermont J. Stevenson, as well as the 49ers defense. And he also has, I've noticed this, he has a rookie uh, wide receiver, Jalen Hylett, coming on. And and in this game, he actually put up his first 100-yard game. I think he put up exactly 100 yards. And Adam had a lot of guys in single-digit scores, so he did not have the best of weeks uh unfortunately in the game jim lost uh jonathan taylor for a couple weeks to uh i think it was a was it a hand injury or a finger injury something like that yeah so i'll say it again uh, it'll be hard with that it'll be hard for him to get another win this season but we've said that once and he's proved us wrong and maybe he'll prove us wrong again absolutely just a quick note on the division, the Ponder division. Jim has a chance of getting another win this this year because as of last week, and I don't think this has ever happened before, but the four teams in the Ponder division were the four lowest scoring teams in in the for the week. With Jake had three aggregate wins, Jim had two, Getch had one, and Adam had zero. So I don't know if that's ever happened before. But with that division performing the way they are currently it wouldn't be surprising if jim picks up another win or two the rest of this season unfortunately for him though he well actually now that i look at it he could still make the playoffs if jake loses his next two games and jim wins his next two games i don't know if their points scored there it's probably not going to happen yeah jake's got him jake's got him by over a hundred that would be tough to do in two games. Yeah, that would be tough to cover over 100 points in two games. But Jake picked up a win, which extends his lead to two games over Jim, which pretty much locks him up into the playoffs with Adam. And Getch, the writing was on the wall, misses out on the playoffs after losing 
this week. Brings us to our next game. We've got Dumpster Fire versus Banana Stand. I think that's Teague's Dumpster Fire. That is Teague's Dumpster Fire as opposed to Jake's. Jake's Dumpster Fire. It sounds like there's a lot of dumpster fires in the west northwest <laughs> suburbs these days. Um, I hope the fire department is on standby for all those dumpster fires. But Teague's puts in an incredible effort and beats Josh, knocking off number one Josh by three points. We had pretty bound scoring from Teague's all weekend. He had his uh, quarterback come back uh, and has been really playing well since coming back. He had Matthew Stafford throw for four touchdowns. Uh, Kyler, Murray, Kyler Murray is the quarterback I was talking about who's come back from injury. So now he has two very reputable quarterbacks in our two-quarterback league. And like we mentioned, he's got pretty balanced scoring up and down. Josh, unfortunately, had not very good outings from his quarterbacks. Tua and Fields combined for only 19 points, it looks like. With this loss, Josh still is the aggregate leader currently. Um, but John is coming on strong, and now John moves into the number one seed. But Josh is still in line to get the first round by if he continues to win out, which he plays me this week, and I am one of the three teams to beat him earlier in the season. So I have potential, and after last night's game, Gino, as I mentioned, goes for 30 and really put the pressure on Josh to put out his best team, and hopefully they, they score well this week. But... Any any other comments on Teagues versus Josh here? I don't think so. It's just, it's it's funny. John, you know, a few weeks ago was saying, you know, he was okay with not making the playoffs the way his team was playing and his record. And now with Teagues beating Josh, John actually moves into that number one seed. So he's, yeah, he's gone from feeling like he's not going to make the playoffs to now he's the head honcho of the league once again, taking over Josh. Yeah, he's got his quarterback on bye this week, but I think with Joey's entire team on a bye, he might be able to avoid an upset at the hands of Joey. But we'll see. What do projections matter anyway, right? (laughs) Exactly. Isn't fantasy football weird? I was thinking about this today. It's It's just so strange. Like, just going back to my Geno Smith, David Carr, Derek Carr, whatever, Carr brother I'm talking about. We don't know anything. They could, they could show me so many metrics about why this person is going to do well on this day. And you could go with a, a pro-con list or whatever. I don't know how John does it, honestly. And he, he shouldn't tell us his secret because it's, it's damn good. But however people decide to pick lineups – it's just fascinating to me how unpredictable it is. And more and more, I agree with John when he says it's all luck. It probably is. That's probably his, that's probably his tactic. But, I mean, are, don't you think it's just, like, I don't know. Well, Gino against D- Dallas's defense. I mean, that's just one example. But, like, how do you decide a start-sit situation where everything that I think of says don't start Gino necessarily – and because Dallas has been so good at home, they've not even get this. They've not trailed in a game at home all season until last night. Yeah, it was December, November, November 30th was the first time they trailed at home all season. So why, why would, why would Geno Smith light up Dallas? What in the, 
would give anybody any indication that he would have thrown for three touchdowns and ran one in himself against Dallas, who's one of the top, if not the top ranked defenses in the NFL on Thursday night. It's just, it's baffling. Like, I don't even, I'm just going to, I don't know. I'm just going to throw darts or have a chimpanzee pick my lineup from now on. Cause like, it's shocking to me. It was funny. All I heard yesterday on the NFL network was how Geno Smith does not deal well with pressure. And Dallas is one of the most pressuring defenses. And sure enough, you're talking about Geno. Um, I have DK Metcalf on my team. And right. after listening to all that about an hour and a half before the game started, I decided to put in Cortland Sutton and or Cortland Sutton and take out DK. Um, so last night's game was pretty much a giant kick to the nuts for me because DK went absolutely off along with Gino scoring. I think he had three touchdowns, 130 yards, six catches. And I yeah. looked, he put up about 41 fantasy points, which sure would have been nice to have. Oh, absolutely. And exactly. you Like you said, you listen to ESPN pregame, and they say there's no way he's going to have a good game. You know, fade this team as much as you can. But then I just text John. I'm like, Carr Gino? And he goes, Gino, Carr's missing too many of his weapons. Nobody knows if he's going to have anybody to throw to. Uh, even though he has a better matchup, go with Gino. And I was like, well, that makes that makes kind of sense. Uh, you're just as much sense as what I was going to go with. And I, John, just, just John. I can't even. I'm so glad he's my friend. And I'm so glad he's a loyal listener to the pod as well. All right, let's talk about my game against Bob last week. I did well. I'm I'm pleased. Like, I don't mind losing when my team shows that they can – meet their projection i know i go back to it again but like that's what 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 else do we have to compare against right like the the app told me they'd score 147 they scored 160 i can't be upset with that bob just had a really really good week with both of his quarterbacks going absolutely bananas on on thanksgiving day with prescott and love both winning their games with multiple multiple touchdowns each on Thanksgiving night. I knew going into the weekend I had an uphill battle. Of course, I'm frustrated I didn't win. This probably means I missed the playoffs. For the first time in probably 10 years, I think that I haven't missed the playoffs since 2014 when I won the championship with Odell Beckham Jr. and um, and Peyton Manning and uh, Decker, and those were the core guys on my team. If I've missed the playoffs, and I can't even fact check this anymore because ESPN has like basically deleted our all of our old information, but I want to say for the first time in ten years, or maybe only two or three times in ten years, I've missed the playoffs. So I'm a little disappointed. I'm not mathematically out of it yet, but I'm. You you mentioned I could be frustrated. I tip my hat. Bob has played great and steady football, fantasy wise all season. I could lose to worse people. And I actually find myself now in the bottom of my division on points scored. Teagues is now ahead of me on points scored, even though him and I are both tied with five wins and seven losses. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, I'm at peace with how last week went. I, I played my best I could. My team performed the way I hoped they would. 
and I'm happy about that. And if that happens every week, I could be one in one in 13 as long as they perform the best they could. And that's all I could ask for. Thoughts? Yep, and just Bob's team is, has really ascended the last few weeks with the uh, uptick in play from both of his quarterbacks, Prescott and Love. I think it's now six weeks in a row that Prescott has thrown at least two touchdowns. And Jordan Love is, I think he's finally turning into the quarterback that Green Bay hoped he would when they drafted him. Uh, Prescott and Love, again, in your game, they put up 62 points, whereas Gino and Mahomes put up 28, and that was probably the difference right there. Yeah, I agree. Their quarterback, his quarterback play has been great. Four wins in a row. He at one time was three and five and and now has won four in a row. And my team has lost three in a row. So we are traveling in opposite directions. And so if he ends up making the playoffs, which could be confirmed as early as this week, he's worthy of taking that spot for this year, certainly. Finally, the last game of the the six, Dumpster Fire Jake versus McGiblets. And... I don't even know who won this game. Oh, Jake won. Good for Jake. Do you want to talk about this one? Yeah, Jake won fairly easily, won by about 30 points, led by uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's really been turning it on lately at quarterback. And then Pollard and uh, Devontae Smith also had good games. Uh, what can you say? Yet another loss for Getch, unfortunately. But with Jim winning and Getch losing... That puts Getch now firmly in the spot for the number one pick next year, which would should help him out greatly. And just one funny note to this game. You know it's bad for Getch when his kicker gets him negative one point. I went in and looked, and I'm not sure how it worked out in the game, but somehow... The kicker that he had starting missed one extra point, and that was the only uh, attempt he had in the game. So he must have missed the extra point, and Detroit must have decided to put in a new kicker for the rest of the game. Just a microcosm of Getch's season right there, I'd say. That is that is interesting and funny. Yeah, he had Ryan Patterson minus one point. The Lions on Jake's side had zero points, so Jake's zero-point Lions – outscored Getch's kicker so both teams had had some had a clunker out of at least one of their players in their starting lineup last week um a a note on Trevor Lawrence great for him but son of a bitch I have Travis Etienne and I think he had two one yard sneaks oh I hate uh, that last week and I think he has four or so one yard sneaks in the last two weeks so if even one or two of those in the last couple of weeks, turn around and get handed off to ETN, his starting running back. I know ETN is not your bruiser. He's not your Jerome Bettis at the goal line, but I understand. Just get the ball in the end zone no matter how. Why Maybe John feels the same way when Jalen Hurts continues to sneak in one-yard touchdowns for, for your team instead of turning around and handing it off to, to Swift. I love the tush push. I know you do. It's, it's very successful for you. Very, very but then I, I also do get the opposite side of that with Rashad White of the Buccaneers. I can't tell you the amount of one-yard touchdown passes that Mike Evans has, and it just 
oh, it gets under your skin. That's frustrating. So, you know, but that's football. I just got to, you know, put your hands up in the air and go, well, I, I picked my best team and what, what do you do? It is what it well, is. Well, we kind of already previewed the important games for next week already when we talked about last week's game. So I don't think we need to really talk too much about them. We got some big ones. Yeah. I play Josh. Bob plays Teagues. Bob can clinch the playoffs by beating Teagues this week. And between you and Bavakwa, whoever loses that game is in some serious trouble heading into the last week of the season. And we already know the Ponder division and how that's probably going to end up. So I don't know. Uh, do you want to talk any more about upcoming week or you want to kind of shift gears to something I, else? I think we've touched on it enough. So you, you sent me a couple of questions this week about just maybe some thoughts you've been having. Uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit about as playoffs approach here? How do you how do you feel the successful team? Is there some things that you've observed over the last couple of years that have kind of given you an idea of what makes a team successful and what what? needs to happen in order for that success to show itself on the field yep that's that's always what i'm trying to do i'm always i'm not only you know doing what i do but i'm trying to look at what other teams do and what helps them what hurts them what gets them higher in the ranks and whatnot and i put together just a quick list of four things that i feel you have to do to put put together a successful team there's Probably others, people probably have other ideas. These are just my four, and uh, we can, I'll touch on them quick and we can discuss them quick if we want to. Um, but number one is uh, you got to hit on your first round picks. Um, just like in the real NFL, you know, the, the real talent is up top, and that's the one, those are the guys that are going to get you your 30, your 40 point games. Uh, so you got to hit on those. Um, second, and I have, I say second, but I almost put this as a 1B to the 1A of first-round picks, is you got to, every year, you got to pick up one or two guys off the waiver wire that end up, you know, end up being guys that can start for you for the next seven years. And you'd think that's well, that never happens. Those that's those guys aren't available. But you there's all these undrafted rookies every year where it takes them about eight, nine, ten weeks, you know, to break off the practice squad and get onto the actual team. And once they get to that team, they just they blow up and they end up being superstars. They go from undrafted rookies to pro bowlers. So if you can find, pick up one or two of those guys every year, that's really what I feel makes your team because you don't have to spend, you can, then you can spend your first round picks on guys. You don't have to trade away your first round picks to pick up good guys. So finding those guys on the waiver wire is absolutely huge. And then number three, I say is winning trades, uh, kind of that buy low, sell high, uh, using your draft picks appropriately in those trades. And then number four is uh, you got to have depth on your team for those bye weeks, injuries, they're bound to happen. So if you can pick up depth in those later rounds of the draft in those second, third, even the fourth round, that makes a huge, that's a huge, those are huge additions to your team. They might not be the big point makers, but they're the ones that get you through those bye weeks and injuries. So, yeah, 
I don't know if you have any thoughts to any of those or anything to add. Yeah, as you walk through each one of those, I thought of all the different ways it applied to my team over the last couple of years. And hitting on your first round picks is certainly something I agree with, which is why it actually draft round is as important in the Call Me Index. It's one of my uh, contributing factors, one of my many criteria I use to calculate the Call Me Index. And hitting on your first round picks is is really, really important, obviously. I was looking back at my first round picks in the last couple of years. They just haven't, they haven't produced what I needed them to in order to continue to get better over the last couple of years. For a while there, back in 2016, I had the number one overall pick with Ezekiel Elliott, and obviously that worked out great for me. I'm looking back at 2017 draft, and I didn't have a first round pick. Neither uh, in 2018, I had Calvin Ridley, uh, and that that was that was a, a great pick for me. He produced right away and was good for me for a couple of years before I traded him away. Then in 2019, I didn't have a first round pick, but I did get Debo Samuel and early in the second round, and that was that was huge for me at the time. I actually I don't know if you remember this, but I drafted Hollywood Brown at that spot. Josh said, I'll trade you the next pick for I'll trade you the next pick for him. I really wanted Hollywood Brown. And so I just I was like, sounds good. I so I just flipped him a pick. I think he gave me like an extra second or third round for to you know, for for the rights to to, to Hollywood Brown and then I picked Debo Samuel right right after that. In fact they were they were tied in um, the call me index that year. So I was really flipping a coin. I was going to go between the two of them. And, and so I was completely fine. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just take the next pick, which is Debo Samuel. And we just ended up flipping there. And uh, that that first year, Debo had uh, 199 points his rookie season. So I, I hit really well on that. Back in 2020, I didn't have a first round pick um, that I could see. And then, uh, but the first round picks of that year, C.D. Lamb, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman. These are all first-round picks. But then again, you had uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the number one overall pick that year in 2020, and he turned out to be kind of a dump. You know, like you said, you got to hit on those first-round picks. Yeah, you definitely got to hit on those first-round picks. Big waiver pickups. I'm trying to think of some of my big waiver pickups the last couple of years. Uh, Jared Goff is one of them. A couple of years ago, I found him on the free agent waiver wire. And I'm kind of regretting that I don't have them anymore. But, yeah, I agree. Those those waiver pickups that you can turn into startable guys, there's at least one a season. It's often for, if, for me, it's often been a, a running back that ends up being a, a – a, like uh, Jerome Ford this year, right? Uh, maybe he was drafted. But in many of my other leagues where we don't have such deep benches, Ford was a, a big waiver pickup that has turned into a very solid running back and has really – solidified my running back room in what at least one of my leagues that's the same here with me I, I was able to pick up uh Kyron Williams and just coming back from his injury this last week he put up 41 points right away and so him putting output like that I was actually then able to trade uh mix in for two second round picks and we'll see what we get out of those picks but yeah that that was my big pickup winning trades is a big one especially now that we all have access to some sort of dynasty trade value chart or some sort of software that helps you evaluate trades everybody has their own 
um, numbers, which I use to evaluate trades. And I know in some cases I'm losing trades, but I'm willing to take that risk where other times I'm not going to sell somebody for any lower than I get for him. So I'd certainly use that almost every time now. One draft pick, using draft picks appropriately and losing trades is uh, the Trey Lance trade that I pulled in the offseason with Aaron Bavakwa. He had Trey Lance and Purdy, and he basically offered both of them to me for like the same pick package. And I ended up trading a first and second for Lance. And if I would have just traded a first and second for Purdy, I would probably be sitting pretty right now compared to what I've been doing. Cause I wanted to pair a San Francisco quarterback with Debo Samuel. I was trying starting to think about stacking my wide yep. receivers and quarterbacks. And I picked the wrong one. Cause I thought Purdy coming off his Tommy John surgery, wasn't going to be able to start the season and Trey Lance would at least get a chance to start. And he had higher upside and that's just me. I, I told Bavako, I'm like, I'm losing this trade, but I'm willing to overpay because I, have a feeling about Trey Lance and that that feeling was terrible because he's not even uh, not even an actual starter or even a backup. He's a third string quarterback for Dallas now. So that would that's one that I, I lost. I lost a trade badly and didn't use my picks appropriately, which is why I'm last place in my division right now. So I got a little soul searching to do here and uh, picking up depth and later rounds and drafts make a big hit. I, I really like this one. This is the call me index people. This is, if you're a fan of the pod, this is where the call me index comes in huge. Jalen Hyatt, you drop that name. He was a call me index all-star. And the fact that Jim picked him up in the third or fourth round this season, this season's draft is huge. Who's another one that the call me index, um, Chris Godwin was another one that the call me index targeted for me all those years back. It was one of the first years of the call me index. And he was rated fairly high. Um, I think I got him in the third or fourth round. Sat on him for the first year because he was kind of a third stringer for Tampa Bay. And then I think his second and third year, he really blossomed into a championship caliber sort of sort of uh, wide receiver. So those late round depth picks, the Call Me Index can really highlight those. And that's how I use the Call Me Index to make some of those later later round decisions a puka nakua was still available in the third or fourth round i yep. think and he was rated highly on the call me index should have maybe take a swing on him but ended up not so yeah those those late round draft picks that end up hitting are kind of like your kind of like your waiver wire pickups too you know you just got you got to kind of just take a shot on them and see how it goes well i think that's all we got time for this week but we've got lots to talk about, and so we'll we'll move some stuff to next week. We got a message in our mailbag, and that was really exciting to get one from a loyal listener up in Maple Grove. Jake had a few questions for us. We'll, so we'll talk about that next week, and we'll also talk about how we're going to redraft the divisions. John sent something out on the message board earlier this week about how we're going to redraft the divisions, and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. We'll, we'll end it there, but it was great talking to you, E, and we'll, we'll catch you next week. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. You too. All right. Bye.